Carolers and heretics. Soak with Kirsch the bouche de Noel. Put out your shoes by the fireplace that they may be filled with chocolate. And wrestle an entire fir tree into your living room because Jesus? Krampus says it's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> I've been a very bad boy. Please give me some coal. Punish me, Krampus. Punish me. Oh, Nick. We're both going straight to hell. I mean, Krampus will be there and welcome us with warm arms. Welcome back. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Momes. And this is Talk Tall to Me. A bright Yuletide celebration in the frosty night of prog rock, in which Eggnog Nick and Open the Presents Already Omen will shake, smell, unwrap, and coo over every single track that evergreen rock band Jethro Tull ever produced. Yes, even horse-hoeing husbandry. <laughs> because it's the thought that counts. We will open the 24 tiny cardboard doors in an attempt to find Andrew Giddings. We will have a nice glass of Don Perry Punch and watch as Martin Barr roasts his nuts over an open fire. And we will discover that the true meaning of tall is the friends we made along the way. I like that you went for the new staff there. I didn't realize what you were doing at first, but I like it. I like it. Huh. It was a good touch. I'm glad you approve. I do. Good touch, bad touch. Good touch. The best touch. Happy festive times to you, Omen, and to everyone listening. Thank you very much, Nick. As you could probably tell, we are starting our run of three weeks of holiday-themed music, thanks to the 2003 release of the Jethro Tull Christmas album. This week, we've got a, a doubleheader of instrumentals. I had a doubleheader in college once. And speaking of uh, the Christmas album, we should mention that, you know, Nick and I may may celebrate the, the Christmas holiday in a secular fashion, but we really are not of the Christian persuasion. And we recognize that many of our listeners may be of any number of persuasions. And we wish to you a happy festive time. Right. I celebrate the solstice. We celebrate the solstice at our house. So it's it's whatever you, you celebrate on these cold winter nights that keep you and your loved ones warm, friggin' do it. As long as everyone's happy and safe. Except in Australia, where it's hotter during Christmas. Right. So probably don't want to be warm there. Well, already warm. Christmas on the beach. Just do what we do, but do it nude. That's I guess that's what I'm going for. <laughs> Do what we do, nude, neuter. Nude, nude to me. Welcome to nude, nude. <laughs> <laughs> Nick. Oh, my goodness. Hello. Hello, Omen. Hello. I've got, before we dive into the, the songs at hand, I've got an anecdote and I've got a little news. Oh, I love anecdotes. We will go. I'm so proud of you. You said it smoothly. First try and everything. So my good. first time. So proud. It'll never happen again. So the other day, so I'm still listening through the the back catalog. Of talk tall to me, and I was uh, I was just wrapping up minstrel in the gallery. Indeed. So I get home from dropping Rook off at preschool, and I put on the album. I put on minstrel in the gallery. Raven walks into the office, 
and just stands by the record player listening. And she she looks she looks hopeful. Oh, and she's like, "Is this is this the song I like?" And I was like, "The, the song you like?" She's like, "Yeah, yeah." The and I, I forget what she said, but I, I figured out that it was Broadford Bazaar. So I oh. I. I put on Broadford Bazaar and she stands there the whole time, listens to it, gives me an enthusiastic thumbs up and says, I like this one a lot. Wow. So if nothing else, this entire podcast has been successful in that it has doubled the number of Jethro Tull songs that your wife likes. That's right. The, that she'll tolerate. Yeah. I mean, she'll that is, like once a month, she'll listen to them. At best, but we're we're getting there. It's huge. And it just goes to show you. I think we've had this discussion before, and I'm pretty sure we had this discussion with the vernacular verbose boys that there is a tall song out there for everybody. At least one, I think. Well, there are as many tall songs as there are individual human beings on this planet. So there is exactly. literally a tall song for every single person. Yeah, I, I like to think that he wrote Broadford Bazaar for Raven. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the liner notes. That's lovely, Nick. Yeah. What a, what a charming anecdote. It is. That it is. And what is your news? The news, I'm sure everybody listening knows this already, but this is the first time, this is the first episode that we have recorded since the news came out. The uh. first single dropped from the Zealot Gene. Yes, indeed, it has. Shoshana Sleeping. Now, we are not going to talk tall about Shoshana sleeping now oh because my gosh. that would put us out of order. But we will say that you should listen to it. And without giving away too much, I will dangle that it's dope. It's 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 damn dope. Also it's really cool. It's it really is cool. we will we will be talking Shoshana sleeping in three years almost to the day. Shush your face. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I mean, the the coolest thing about it for me is that it really sounds like a Tull song. Oh, it's so good. I'm so, so happy. It's a Tull song that Ian has, it feels like, it feels like for the first time in a while, Ian has recognized where he is instrumentally and vocally and musically, mm-hmm. and he's working with what he has and what makes him really darn good. And it's, it's very, it's very exciting. I so cannot cool. wait to hear the rest of the, the album. Yeah, same. And I will, if you haven't seen it and listened to it already, I will put the the link to the YouTube for the official video in there because the video is really cool too. Yes, yeah. Shadow Puppets. So go ahead and, and check out the show notes for that bad boy. Regarding having anything else to talk about, have we? <laughs> we, we have not. We have not anything else to talk about. Amazing. Well, then why don't we get into our cozy sweaters and pour ourselves a, a hot piping glass of spiced cider and curl up next to the fireside to listen to the first of our two instrumental tracks today, which is Nick. Track number two off of the Christmas album, we have Holly Harold. Let's have a hissen. Ha <laughs> ha. 
Nick, I've got eggnog in places I didn't know it could go. I just shampooed the carpet, Soman. <laughs> Nick, that was the Holly Herald. That it was. That it most certainly was. What a what a good song. What a pleasant, fun Christmas song that is. Yeah, it is. It's a. Uh, it's got a real sense of playfulness to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There is. There's a, a definite. A definite lightness and and a festive feel to it. Yeah. But of course, because it is Jethro Tull, it weaves together some, with that levity, some some more serious content, even just in a... Sure. Uh, an, an instrumental piece. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not not like faff, you know. There There is is texture there, and it is... It's heavy faff. It's, it's the heavier side of faff, yeah. Yeah, it's a dense, dense faff. So the song itself, Holly Herald, is the the kind of the the combining of themes of the holly and the ivy and Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Right. Kind of stitched together with a tune of presumably Ian Anderson's own creation. I would assume so, yeah. That's the one. That being said, like, what part is Hark the Herald Angels Sing in this? I, I'm i not sure, unless that part was supposed to be Hark the Herald. The Holly and the Ivy is super prominent. I know when he's playing Holly and the Ivy. I couldn't find Hark the Herald yeah. Angels Sing. Hark the Herald is the bit where he goes, um, Yeah, that feels more of an aside. It feels like the bulk of it is, is Holly and the Ivy, and he threw that mm. in there. A lot like when he does in when he does in in live in performances where he does like that really long run of beret, and then he devolves into God rest ye merry gentlemen, which will oh we'll get oh into. I was thinking of or Pop goes the weasel. Yeah, Pop goes the yeah. weasel. Yeah, that too. Yeah, I think this is more. I think this is. It's probably not exactly 50-50, but I think it's it's a bit closer than than that. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But yes, it, it's so, I mean, the holly and the ivy is actually one of my favorite of the Christmas songs. Oh, it's, it's here's, so lovely. It's such a lovely Here's the song. thing, Nick. You know, I'm not, I'm not a Christian, but I am a sucker for the music. The yeah. music is the, is the gateway drug to, uh, to monotheism. Yeah, I, I do, as long as they're not like, too super Jesus-y. Like, I really do love Christmas carols. The classic ones. I mean, even yeah. even the more obscure ones, but the ones that, you know, go back a century, they're just so much fun to sing. Yeah. Yeah, they're a lot of fun to sing, and they're gorgeous. My personal favorite all-time Christmas song, Carol of the Bells. Just shut me in a room and play Carol of the Bells for, for five hours straight. I'll be mm. happy. I'll die happy. Yeah. I no. will die from it, but I'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here come the bells. There's look some bells. Hey, we have bells. <laughs> look at those bells. 
<laughs> Look at my bells. Ringing the bells and they're ringing my bells and my bells. They are ringing and ringing the bells. Wow, you really know this song. Yeah, I sang it uh, at Dickens for a while. I sang it as a, in a quartet with Kelly and Maria and somebody sure. else. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, the, we should was, we should mention the, I was the bass. We should mention the Skinny Atlas Dickens Christmas Festival for a moment because uh, both of us have some fond memories of that. Yeah. And it is rated as one of the top Christmas activities to do in the United States. Is it really? Yeah, it was listed on like a top 10 list at some point wow. of like everything in the nation. And so what huh. it is, is a Skinny Atlas is this very picturesque town in upstate New York. And every year, every winter for uh, the month of December, it is transformed into a Dickinsonian interactive <laughs> funscape. Dickensian. Where, thank you. Dickensonian. Dickensonian. Actors are hired to portray characters from Charles Dickens' The Christmas Carol. Christmas I was going to say The Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas. Yes. Something else. Very famous Charles Dickens piece. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and we have been those characters. And, and yeah. a lot of it is singing songs from the Victorian period, Christmas songs from the Victorian period. And it's, it's yeah. delightful. It's re- it's really nice. There's And there's improvisation and interaction and little and roasted chestnuts. Here and there. Roasted chestnuts. Boy, if you've not had a roasted chestnut... You are missing out. What are you doing? Try to get one. Even if you just buy a handful at at the grocery store and and figure out how to roast them on your your hob, like they're they're really good. They're really 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 good. <laughs> yeah. Pro tip: cut an X in the skin, otherwise they explode. They burst. Yeah. Anyway, going back to the songs at hand, shall, yes. shall we talk musically a little bit here? Yeah, please. Well, we start. We start well, there's music. <laughs> <laughs> Start out really rocking with the drums, like yeah. Doan coming in almost tribal with the drums to start with. It's very mm. peculiar choice, but I like it. It doesn't quite meld with how when the rest of the team comes in, how how light and airy and fun and sprightly it is, because it seems seems very concerted and angry almost with the drums. But I think that contrast is deliberate. And it almost, it seems to me like, you know, that that's the ancient sun god uh, origin of the solstice festivals underlying all of the, the more modern Christmas celebrations. That's how I read it. I like that. I'm good with that. Yeah. And we'll circle back to that because there's a, there's a bit later on that, that I think illustrates that point. Okay, even sure. More, even more elegantly. So yeah, we get Doan in the, in the beginning for maybe 10, 15 seconds. And then all of a sudden, everybody else comes in. It's not a layering like we, we're accustomed to an earlier no. tall. We, we get flute, we get acoustic. Friggin' Jonathan Noyce's bass is rocking. Very solid. It's really, I always enjoy these Christmas episodes because jumping forward in time yeah. to hearing how the band has evolved is so fun. It's, yeah. you know, it's still recognizably tall, but it's such a different sound. It's so much cleaner. And, you know, I think part of that has to do with the recording techniques and right. the ability yeah. to digitize everything, clean it up. But but my goodness, everything is just so crisp. Uh, it really Ian's, is. Including Ian's flute playing. Yes. 
yeah, everybody has their own parts. Everybody can be heard very clearly. Yes. Again, I think it's partly the, the fact that this was recorded in 2003. Oh, yeah. And partly the fact that they are just all much cleaner musicians, you know? The, th- just think of the content of this album, a Christmas album, versus the grungy feel from Benefit or even Minstrel. You know, it's 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 got a bleed to it. It's got a, a messier effect to it. And this, you want you want a crispness to it. Well, and, you know, as time went on and, and Ian was hiring replacement musicians... I imagine that he was increasingly looking for precision and a certain light touch. Sure. And agility and clarity uh, in his players. Sure. He he wanted to see the band evolve the way that that I think he, he saw himself evolving. I, I couldn't have said it better, and I won't. Good. You shouldn't. And uh, yeah, I, I'm I, so sorry I, I even suggested <laughs> it. How dare you? Uh, but I, I think that's a, a, a really... I think that's a really good observation that it's not just Ian taking over the band and hiring basically session musicians. I think no. I think there is is value in seeing it as as a progression, as an evolution, as these yes. they 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 grow together and and Ian as absolutely bananas as the Stormwatch crew is or the mm. the songs from the wood etc as as phenomenal musicians as they are we you could not get this this sound this christmas sound from them that's not pejorative that's just a statement of fact i think it is a statement of fact yeah and i think that it relates to the idea of prog rock of it being progressive rock that you know one of the things that is so extraordinary about tall and that we love is that the sound progresses it evolves and i think that ian knows that it has to because that's the kind of band they are. They're not the Rolling Stones. They're not Led Zeppelin who... Bon Jovi. Who, they're not Bon Jovi who, yeah. bless him, has sounded the same for the entire his entire career. Right. Maybe I don't know all the nuances of Bon Jovi. But you know enough. I know. <laughs> More than enough. I know. Yeah, I know. and that's that's also a, a good point. Think about... Think about progressive progress. There is there is a growth there. That is the definition. That's what that word means. And yeah. if if they just kept putting out albums that sounded like songs from the wood and heavy horses, I don't think they'd be as good. And and they would no longer be prog rock. They would be folk rock. They would fall into that that category. And sometimes when you replace a musician or when you replace any kind of a performer, you have you have kind of two choices. You can either find the person who most closely replicates the performance of the person you're replacing. Yeah, yeah. Or you can find somebody who brings their own talents and their own distinct flavor to the role. You work with it, right. And just think about think about Andy Giddings versus John Evans. Same exact thing. Like, what a, what a different sound that he brings with the the keyboard and with the squeeze box. I was just going to talk about the squeeze box. Yeah. That sound informs the this song and this era of Tull in such a delightful manner. Yeah. I always think of Andy Giddings when the squeeze box comes out. I think I think they dabbled with it before him, but he's such a prominent accordionist that that era of Tull where that sound is is most common is like is that time when he was there, when he was a part of it. 
Indeed. And it's so fun. It's so fun. The squeeze box is such a fun sound. It really is. It, yeah. It works well with anything that Tull puts out, too, which is really nice. Yeah. So there's one part that I want to kind of zoom in on. Okay. And that is, so we go back and forth between the tune of the Holly and the Ivy and the, the tune of Hark, the Herald Angel Sings, interspersed with Ian's own invented tune. Uh-huh. But then at a certain point, there's kind of a breakdown where, yeah. where it, it goes into a whole different sound. And in and within that, there's a moment where we return to the sound of, of the drums. We pull yeah. the drums forward. And on top of that, Ian lays down this very visceral kind of ancient Celtic sounding flute yeah. riff just, just for a couple measures. And for me, that is really like the distinct callback to the, the Christmases of ancient times past sure. and, the, and Ian's Celtic roots. There's even a little Martin lick in there too. That's probably mm. just as long as the flute, but it's it's almost got like a like an exotic Spanishy feel to it. <laughs> yeah. that organ when that organ comes in at the very end and kind of kind of pulls it all together and everybody's working it's it's so lovely it's so fun and it's like you said earlier it's nice to see previous performances in this performance just i mean just think about the breakdowns that they used to do 20 years before this you know it's such a different sound but it still has that same effect yeah so nick i just want to quickly touch on the Holly and the Ivy as a as a song. The original. The original song, yeah. Yeah. Which okay. is a traditional British Christmas carol. And the song itself only goes back to the 1800s, but some of the lyrical themes can be traced back to the Middle Ages. I mean, most specifically, the, the idea of Holly being associated with Christmas. And the song is essentially a, a series of allegories which relate the holly bush itself to Christmas and the story of Jesus Christ. Huh. So, okay. for instance, the holly bears a blossom as white as the lily flower, and Mary bore a sweet Jesus Christ to be our sweet Savior. <laughs> or, yeah. The holly bears a berry as red as any blood, and Mary bore a sweet Jesus Christ for to do us sinners good. And... I think what's fascinating about his choice of using this song in this context is that it relates, it harkens back, if you will, to a more natural connection to spiritualism. Yeah. Even though it's about Christianity, it's being framed in this extremely natural botanical way. So it's just it's just kind of a cool thing that is that is hidden in this song that that really it's 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 like a little tendril of songs from the wood has found its way into this to this song years and years and years later i think also there is a touch of that aspect of the of christianity 
pulling the pieces of disparate religions to get them to come over. Mm. That adoption of the holly and the berries and say, oh, yeah, you you worship or you respect that. Well, you know, that's kind of like this. Right. Because, of course, the holly tree was one of the sacred trees of the Druids. Sure. Right. I don't want to say it's like it's a dig, but I think there is a an acknowledgement of that maybe a little bit. Just just being aware, you know. Whereas the uh, Hark the Herald Angel Sing is a much more kind of direct and literal, uh, dramatic presentation of the story almost exactly as it is in the Bible. Yeah, right. So the fact that these two things are being put into contrast, it's 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 almost like Ian is is holding the holding the the tension of these contradictory aspects of Christianity and Christmas in his cold flute hands and balancing them with uh, with a measure of, of his own genius. I mean, it's really great. It's really, really fun. Yeah. Maybe we're reading too much into it. You know, maybe it's just like, hark, the herald angels sing and holly and the ivy sound like similar enough that he oh, was like, they both hmm, have H's in how can I put these together? Oh, ho- holly herald. Oh, okay, let's do it. And then he just right. like he just like slaps it together. You know, maybe not. I don't know, but the alternate title was the angel and the ivy. The angel that I would also be okay with that actually. Yeah. 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 Nick, anything else to say about Holly Harold? No. No, I don't think so. We can skadoodle on to the uh, to the next song. Let us see what is down at the bottom of our stocking. Oh, it's track number five off of the Christmas album. It's God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. Oh, I was hoping it was going to be an orange. No, it's a, it's another Catholic allegory. Enjoy. <laughs> God rest you, married gentlemen, uh, just over four minutes long. Yep. What a fantastic wonderland that is. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting. You know, you know, sometimes you, in life, you might, uh, you might have a relationship with someone yes. and, and it's not the right time, you know? Okay. I Maybe get it. you're not mature enough. Maybe they're not ready. You're just not in the right place. Sure. And sometimes years go by. And, you know, and then you return and you and you maybe you you see that person again and, and you're like, oh, oh, this thing that I had written off, maybe maybe this is now uh, viable and you fall in love and suddenly you're so thankful that it didn't work out when you were younger because how well it's working out now. And that is the relationship that I think has happened here between Jethro Tull and the jazz. Mm. I was wondering where that was going. I was. I was. I was wondering too. I was worried if you, that you were going to break up with me on the air, and no. uh, and we'd have to s- scrap the rest of the season. Not on Christmas. <laughs> Not on Christmas. Yeah, I see that. I get that. I thought you were going going with 
you're having heard this song before versus now. That's where I no, thought you were going. It's so funny to think about, you know, the about this was you're even stand up and listening to the the attempts at playing <laughs> jazz. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with them. No, but here we no. have such a more nuanced and real deep understanding of what that form is. Right. I think I think there are several factors contributing to that. Oh, I I agree. I think there is the lack of Mick Abrahams. Or yeah. I think there is the fact that they themselves, each individual performer has become an excellent musician at what they do. Yes. And they're not trying to define themselves with this song. This is this right. is Jethro Tull playing a really funky jazz song. It's not Jethro Tull the jazz band. Right, exactly. And 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 it's and they're so comfortable with it that there's almost a sense of pastiche. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because taking a taking a traditional Christmas song and playing it as a jazz piece is is almost a trope of like, oh yeah, we'll hire a jazz quartet and they'll play some yeah. Christmas music, but like jazzy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, but it's this different. is taking that it's concept edgy. and playing with it. And, you know, right at the beginning, you kind of feel like that's what they're doing. But then they take you on this whole journey yeah. using the format of jazz, but taking it to, and rock, of course, but taking it to such a such a level beyond what anyone else would, would do with something like this. Yeah, there's there's nothing trite about this performance. There is no, there's a perfection there, and I don't know. Maybe there's like a little tongue in cheekness because, like you said, there is a, an aspect of, I mean, it's 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 not a common thing, but like you know, there there are quartets that that go out and play jazz Christmas music. You know, it's it is not. I mean, it's not on every street corner, but it's not an uncommon occurrence. No, and often it's very much like. It feels like a very first pass type of thing. It's like, yeah, Christmas music, but jazz. We get it. Yeah. Like as soon as you hear 30 seconds of it, you know what the entire rest of the evening is going to sound like. Yeah. Yeah. You can phase it out. Nothing's going to be terribly remarkable. It's pleasant to listen to, but it's it's nothing to to stop and, and really enjoy. It's background music. This is a stop and enjoy song. You cannot ignore it. You can't ignore it. No. If you try, it'll it'll demand your attention. When this song begins, it is super funky and it's it's over the top that the guitar on that pedal and that really slimy organ feel. Yeah, it's so delicious. They're wearing that costume of like, yeah, we're going to jazz it up. And they, right. you get through like a third of it and, and until they really start to be like, oh, but we're showing ourselves too. But but that first feel of this song is so blech. It it's like the Muppets jazz band with Adam. Yeah, 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 yeah. change 
is about 115 when the piano proper comes in. Yes. It comes off of that really slimy organ feel. When the when that piano comes in, Andy just takes it to church and it's so funky and good. Well, and there's a series of changes just before that where just when you've kind of gotten used to the, the band sound and the instruments that they're playing, suddenly we have a little bit of glock or perhaps oh, chimes. Oh, okay, okay. And then we have a, a couple seconds of organ and then that resolves into the piano. And yeah. as you say- Mr. Giddings takes us to the chapel. He marries us and makes us an honest woman, and I... He he sure does. My mother will be so proud. We get a lot more noodling for about a, another minute or two. And then we get into another breakdown. Are you talking about the organ breakdown with the drums in the background going? It gets kind of, it's like scary. It's dark and eerie. It's threatening. Oh, yes. Yes. Gothic almost. Yeah. 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 And then Martin at the tail end of that. Yeah. It's has to be. I am 100% confident that it's an homage to Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I, I felt that yeah. rip of that guitar. It's de- it's got to be. It's got to be. And it's a good. It's a it's a good note. It's a good homage there. And from there, we we have a series of very quick changes, including some a whole staircase of key changes. Yes, I was going to ask if there were key changes. I, oh my I felt goodness, it in my like body. Seven in a row. Yeah. <laughs> and for a minute, we have this really wonderful. They almost go into I think a double time with the flute and the bass. Oh and yeah, it's just those two. Yeah. It's so much fun. It's it's delightful. I mean, really, really, it reminds me of of some of the too old oh. stuff in the sense that from the moment that it starts, you're never really sure what the next 10 seconds is going to hold. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. I think that's right. Yeah. I think this is an amazing culmination of, I don't know, 40 years of Ian, like throwing in little bits of this song when he performs Beret Mm -hmm. occasionally. And it must have been when they decided to do a Christmas album. It must have been one of the first tracks that they decided on 
because it's it's been in the zeitgeist and it's it's been a part of tall kind of lurking there playfully right and then it, and there's a feeling of of completion and rewarding the listener of the, so the, rewarding the fan of like yes we got to do it and we're not going to we're not going to combine two songs like Holly Harold. We're going to give right. this its own thing. We're going to give it four minutes of just swanky, fluty jazz. It's really fun. It's great. It's Should we great. talk a little bit about the song, the original song, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen? Sure. Yeah. Well, it is a relatively old Christmas carol. Dates to the 16th century or perhaps earlier, making it one of the older songs that is still sung. To this day. Okay. And typically the first line or the title is uh, divided wrong. We typically say, God rest ye, merry gentlemen. Gentlemen who are merry. Oh, God rest ye, merry? Yes. Of course, the phrase from the Renaissance is, God rest ye, merry. Meaning, uh-huh. you know, take your ease. I hope that you are able to relax and and to restore yourself and to prosper. Right, right. It's like good health to you almost. Sure, sure. And so it's God rest ye merry, gentlemen. Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really an imperative to, to everyone. Enjoy yourself. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Take, take a load off. Take a load off, fellas. It's not, it's not only speaking to the merry people. It's, uh, it's speaking to them all. (laughs) No, it's, it is an injunctive to be, to rest merrily. Rest merrily. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, you. it's imploring. It's ordering you to not only rest, but do it merrily. Yeah. And boy, howdy, if you don't, you, there will, you've got there will be coming. hell to pay. <laughs> and the, the song is, uh, you know, again, quite biblically inspired and... Sure. And is a... It is a reminder of the of the Savior's gifts to earth. And remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save poor souls from Satan's power, which long time had gone astray. Mm. Yeah. And then it then it relates the the story of the birth and the angel and the shepherds and the sheeps and all that. Yeah. And Bethlehem. There were so many ways to tell the exact same story. <laughs> And, sure, it's, and it's sure are, and it's be, it's because you got to think about Christmas carols. The fact that someone wrote that Christmas carol at some point, yeah. I mean, I do think that some of them have perhaps more folk origins, sure, and then were you know solidified at a certain point. But some of yeah. them, some of them were just sat down and penned by someone. And every single one of those people, boy, did they love Jesus. And <laughs> it doesn't matter how many times that story had been told, they got to tell it too. And they got to write their own music to it. <laughs> or in later years, they really loved money. And or they that. realized that people love Christmas music. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think we'll be covering. Oh, I mean, I guess this whole album is is that, actually. I was going to say, I don't think we'll be covering that. But that's kind of what this album is. And, yeah, maybe, you know, this you is know? kind of an odd, uh, an interesting situation. Because the writer of or the producer of this album is actually a real, you know, something approaching a Christian or has at least dabbled with faith at various points. Yeah. Faith, faith adjacent. Yes. Yeah. A faith dabbler. <laughs> wow. Anything else about God rest you, Mary gentlemen, fun reference 
to God rest you merry gentlemen. It yes. is referred to, making a callback, in Charles Dickens' 1843 hit, A Christmas Carol. Oh. The carolers come to, to Scrooge's house, and at the sound of the first, God bless ye merry gentlemen, may nothing you dismay, Scrooge seized the ruler with such energy of action that the singer <laughs> fled in terror, leaving the keyhole to the fog and even a more congenial frost. Gosh, Dickens was a hell of a writer. He was very good. He got paid by the word, so. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. That's, that's speaking valid. of people, speaking of the, the Venn diagram of loving Christmas and money. <laughs> Perfect. How Works many perfectly. words can I write about Christmas? More. Oman, what is your opinion on the Christmas album in general? I, my opinion has changed, I would say. When I first heard the Christmas album, I thought, well, this is a bit silly. Jethro Tull putting out a Christmas album. No, I mean, I mean, like, like the, the idea of a Christmas album, not this one, but the idea of, of a band that is not a Christmas album band, you know? Putting out a Christmas album. I think that it often comes off as naff. Yes, I agree. Or cloying or opportunistic. Kind of sad, honestly. Like, we we have nowhere else to go. Let's try a Christmas album. Yeah, sad at best. Yeah, a little pathetic. And I do remember when this album came out, I felt a little sad about it. Yeah. Because that was my feeling. But, you know, almost 20 years later... This album stands up. It does. It does. I mean, it was it was really painful for us because it was the only Tall album to come out after we started listening to Tall. Is that true? When did I think so? When did JTall.com come out? Oh, oh, it was no, it was two thousand. No, it was ninety nine. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So we were still in like we had just gotten out of middle school. At that point, so we right. weren't... So we hadn't quite... Yeah, okay. So, so no, you're right. So then this was the only Tall album that has come out since we've started listening. Yeah. Up to this point. Yeah. And, and yeah, like, it was it was like, oh, well, I guess there's nowhere else to go from here. You know, it's it's kind of like the death knell of a band, it, it feels like. And, and yet... And yeah. Apparently not. Not, yeah. And honestly, I would be... As much as I do enjoy this album, I would be a little bummed if this this was the final Tall album. Do you know who was not bummed about this album? Was it Ian Anderson? It was Rolling Stone magazine. Oh, snap! And we will be exploring that next week when we continue our Christmas journey on the Christmas album, Nick, with... With Jack Frost and the Hooded Crow. dun dun and I just want to say, like, like I've I've come around on this album too. And honestly, yes. who better to make a Christmas album? I know, I know, right? Like, <laughs> no, really, I've matured enough, and and it's it's like that the past relationship and the present relationship, like you were talking about, 
right. with with tall and jazz. Like th- I think I that's how I feel with this album. Like right, who better? Perfect, just absolutely Nick, perfect. Let's follow up on that. Who else would you listen to, or who else would you be excited about hearing a Christmas album by? Actually, Carbon Leaf put out a Christmas album, and it's really good. Mm. It's yeah, really, that doesn't really surprise good. me. It's very pleasant. It's very sweet. And I, there's there's nary an old Christmas song on there. They're they're mostly originals. And it, by golly, they're good. They're, there's nothing yeah. saccharine about it. I was going to say The Chieftains. Oh, The Chieftains was good. I think Murder by Death actually put out one too. And it's actually not that bad. It's on my Christmas list as well. I wonder if, let me do a quick little search here. I'm wondering, there's an artist that I'm wondering if they have a Christmas album. Oh, Yes. Oh, yes. Is it Snoop 19... Dogg? <laughs> no, no. Snoop Dogg does have some Christmas offerings. No, but I have just found 1984 Once Upon a Christmas by Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think I think we had that as a cassette. Oh, really? Growing up. I'm pretty sure that sounds very familiar. Oh. Yeah. That was a lot poppier than I expected it. That one's called I Believe in Santa Claus. That's truly lovely. So, Nick. Oh, man. Next week, Jack Frost and the Hooded Crow. Until next week. You need to be our herald. You need to leave us a five-star review pointing to the newborn babe, newborn three-year-old babe that is Talk Tell to Me on Apple Podcasts. You know, Nick, the holly bears a bark as bitter as any gall, but you can bear five stars, which you can uh, give us to us as a rating and that will be cool to us. <laughs> so, so saith the Lord. <laughs> that will be a gift not small. There you go. Our present to you when you subscribe to our Patreon is two extra podcasts and access to our very vocal and very sweet community of a Discord. A whole carolers group of opinions a whole stocking full of podcasts and maybe some nuts at the bottom. Oh, there's definitely nuts in there. Yeah. Until next week, I am the beautiful yet poisonous berry, Nick McGill. I am the improbably pregnant virgin, Omen Said. (laughs) We are the tattered ornaments Passed down from generation to generation, the feckless momes. And this is the trumpet calling from the sky. Talk tall to me. Remember, if you wish, this is just a Christmas song. Well, Bocephus, I guess we just have to sit up here on this hill watching the sheep tonight, even though it is colder than a witch's titty. Oh, Jebediah, I cannot feel my toes. I haven't felt my toes in hours. But, you know, 
I couldn't think of a, of a of a better old curmudgeon to spend this Christmas Eve with. Ah, oh, you're getting soft in your old age. Here, take this uh, take this ewe sheep and put it on your feet to warm your ride up. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, give me give me that wool. Give me that. Oh. I wish we could have a fire, but then them wolves would come down and eat up all the sheep, and we'd be well, we'd be we'd be up up a certain creek, if you know what I mean, Mosifus. We'd be out of a job. We sure would. But th- thank you for passing that you, and I'm going to pass you this little uh, this little snifter or something to warm you right oh, in the soul. Oh, 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 that looks like a date wine from a palm tree if I never did see one in my life. You never have, but you know it so well, Jebediah. I'm going to be as high as a Bethlehem pine off of this here in a couple minutes. Speaking of high, look, oh. look at that light on the horizon. That is no star, if I am correct. I, I maybe had one too many sips of this here palm tree wine. That that sure does look like a a, a multi-headed, thousand-eyed uh, creature from the heavens will be coming down. It is it is beckoning to me. I, I, I feel compelled. I must follow. I must follow, too. Sheep, stay where you are. Don't move her. Okay, you can come with us. That's fine. That's fine. Fo- follow along. We are shepherds, after all. Oh, oh, oh he's speaking. It's speaking, but not not with a voice of what what my ears can hear, but directly into my soul. I feel it in my solar plexus and my sphincter. I feel it in each one of my seven chakras, especially the root chakra. Oh, that's the rumbly one. <laughs> oh, oh, if I could try to translate into a tongue that man would speak, by which I would betray its very meaning, I would say... That that there light with a thousand eyes is trying to tell us that Talk told to me is a proud member of the Feckless Moons Audio Network. Jeb and Die, that is that is the most beautiful thing I've ever said, and I I, I have to say I am I'm moved to tell you that 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 I am in love with you. I I'm gonna write all this down before I forget Oh no, I don't know how to write. The fumes of the pooch. <laughs> <laughs>